Hey everybody, my name's Alex and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Before we get into the main show in like the opening segment as I'm coming to find this section, I want to thank everybody for listening to the last episode on FLCL Progressive. I know that FLCL Progressive was not as popular as the original FLCL. I will get to Alternative in another podcast because I kind of like, I need to complete the journey, but um, I thought it was really interesting, and if you have a passing interest in FLCL or a passing interest in what I said about FLCL, you should definitely go listen to FLCL Progressive and also the original FLCL episode that is way earlier in the feed, but... I also wanted to to just, like, shout out to people. I know there are people who listen to this specifically because of my panels. I am going to be at Anime NYC. I'm not going to be doing panels there. I am going to be attending, hanging out, all that stuff. If you are, like, wandering around the convention center, the Javits, and you've, like, happened upon me, feel free to say hi. I, I love meeting other people who are into anime even half as much as I am because... Man, I, 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 had, I had an experience, actually, with um, Mongolian underscore chop. I think Mongolian chop underscore squad on Instagram. And he was like, yeah, Mongolian chop squad is old. And I'm like, Mongolian chop squad's not that old. It came out when I was in high school. Fuck, I am old. That show is old now. That means I'm old. And I was just like, and and he said, yeah, it came out for me in middle school, and my brain, like, started to malfunction and melt. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an old otaku now. I'm an old otaku. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird to, like, be here. Also, when I found out that when, like, I did the math, not did the math, when Bennett, like, said he was about to turn 30 on his, um, on his YouTube channel, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm older than Bennett, this is weird, ah, it's so weird, um, but, anyway, so if you see me at Anime, at anime NYC wandering around, I'll probably be wearing some sort of bomber jacket, and you'll see the arm, and... If you see me, just, like, come say hi, whatever. I'm going to see panels, see the convention, since I've never actually seen this convention. I've only ever submitted panels to it, and mostly the reason why I'm going is because I've never had a panel submitted, so I want to see the kind of panels that do get accepted, because I have four panels now. I have performed three of them. The fourth I'm work I'm supposed to be working on, but just, it's a year away from... The next year's panel submission, so I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, but definitely, like, if you see me at Anime NYC, say hi, say what's up. Um, I would love to see you, all that jazz. And now we're going to get into a, a show that I am, I have a lot of nostalgia for. I always forget I have nostalgia for it until it comes up. And, like, it rocks me like a fucking hurricane. And that show... I I questioned on doing this thing about 
one or the other, but I think I want to now, like, in the, in the crux of it, because both shows have great openings, even if the other, even if the second one, or technically the first one, but in America, the second one has, like, a weird pandery opening, <laughs> but that show and property, by extension, is Zoids, and I have been, like, practicing how to say this for the entire the, of the week after I decided, okay, we're doing Zoids. Battlefield, set up. Battle mode, 0982. Ready, fight. So now that we have listened to one of my favorite like anime openings probably of the early 2000s at all and like maybe the late 90s like I would put the Zoid New Century opening up against the Trigun opening like I would put it in that same family it's got that th it doesn't have quite that like deep guitar riff thing going on but the Zoid opening gets you pumped. It makes you feel like you're piloting a giant robot. And that's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, and it makes you, like, want to watch that show. It, it's, like, it's like, hey, hey, are you paying attention? Pay attention. <laughs> um, so, the op so, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with Zoids, the opening I put in is actually, for the beginning, is actually the... Zoids New Century Zero opening. I'll be putting the Zoids Chaotic Century opening in the end, and that's much more derivative and hilarious and cartoony and commercially. Um, but before we get to talking about the show proper, I wanted to ask you a question as a listener, and that is, why did animation exist? Like, what, why, why do people animate things? And I'm not talking about, like, the artistic side of it. That's a slightly different thing. But why does commercial anime exist? Well, basically, it's to sell things to little kids. 
Um, you can find much more concrete evidence of this in the world than me, but in like the late eighties in America, in like the eighties in America, Ronald Reagan repealed a very specific law that says you can't advertise to children on TV, and that opened up the floodgates in America. But even more than that, anime, as kind of like a core thing, survived not only on its viewership and what and the sales of ads on that on those TV spots, but in, but from the gecko and still today on merchandise sales. So, what do I mean by merchandise sales? I mean every time you buy anime figure that some of that money somehow gets back to the original studio. Um, anytime you buy a, you know, a hug pillow, some of that gets back to it. Every time you buy a t-shirt, if you buy a video game that is, that has those, that is about from that series, like, let's say you really like do trigger and kill a kill, if you go out and you buy Kill a Kill If, that contributes to their bottom line somehow. I can't really do the math and let you know one-to-one, -one, but if you're looking for like a way that this plays out in studios proper, a great, and I know I keep going back to this thing, but it's on Netflix, so you can definitely find it easily. I think it's still on Netflix. It should be. If you look at, uh, to the, like a weird middle section of the Kingdom of Dreams of Madness, the now infamous documentary about Studio Ghibli. They have a section where Studio G where everybody's hanging out and everybody's talking to the merchandising team for Studio Ghibli. If you go and you look at like the stuff Studio Ghibli offers, they offer like the full range of product. I'm talking toothbrush holders. I'm talking figures, I'm talking enamel pins, I'm talking t-shirts, I'm talking DVD box sets, everything you could possibly want is like that, like you can buy like a throw pillow, you can like find hug pillows of like Haku, I wouldn't recommend it, they're not official, but like you can find that, like all of that merchandise, well, except for the illicit hug pillows, um, contribute to their bottom line in a real way. And they, as a studio, because they are so well-known and because they are, at this point, so, like, famous, and with that fame comes clout and power in media, um, they can control the stream completely. So every time you buy, like, a Totoro plushie, they get some of that money. And, and so... Uh, and this leads to things like the pricing of anime figures. I usually, I think about anime figures from a price perspective in, like, tiers. You have your, like, basic under, under 10, like, 10, like, $15 and under, like, gotcha figures. Those you can, you don't have to, like, worry about. They're not super great quality, but they, like... They, they get the job done in a fix, you know? And then the next tier up is like the 30 to $50 range. And I have a ton of those. 
those are like they're usually pretty well made, but they're not like they're not like these master classes of oh my god, what is all of this? The fifty dollar tier kinda gets there sometimes. And then there's like the maybe fifty to like a hundred tier and those are like the big figures that you see people show off on Instagram and all this other stuff, they like cost insane amounts of money. And then this it's like the I would gonna call it the hundred and up category. And what I mean by hundred and up is you can go on the internet, you can find a Lady Oboshi figure, like Lady Oboshi from um Prince Monoki. I know I'm like giving myself away here is like obsessing over this for a period of time. <laughs> And Lady Eboshi, the Lady Eboshi figure, costs 500 American dollars. You can give someone one half of a grand, half a grand, and, like, get this figure. But that's because of the prestige and the, like, all the things attached to Lady Eboshi as a character. At, from Being from a amazing film like Princess Mononoke being a Studio Ghibli property, all that stuff. So what I'm trying to say here is that it's cartoons, not just cartoons, but anime especially, while it is an art form, was derived to sell stuff, to sell you stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. The, in fact, the best version of this is a property we've talked about a long time, uh, a lot of times. I've had Alan the Anime Connoisseur, like, on to talk about the show because he's way deeper into it than I am. And that is Gundam. And Gundam's whole job is to sell you a model kit. So every time a Gundam transforms, every time a new robot's introduced, every time, you know... A Gundam gets damaged, that's a new model kit for them to sell you. Um, Gundam Build Fighters is like the shameless version of this. It's just like, hey, isn't building Gundams fun, kids? Um, I kind of dropped off of the like Gunpla building game because it just doesn't... Like, if I want to build a certain kind of custom kit in reality and I have the patience and the skill of which I have, I could just, like, go to a store and say, give me that one, and give me that one, and give me that one, and I'm gonna smush them together. But in Build Fight, in, like, Build Fighters, Gunpla Warfare, whatever it's called, it, it just doesn't, like, it, that gating, not allowing me to just, like, give someone money for a kid I want, just, like, makes me sad, ultimately. Because I'm like, oh, he had a cool thing before he murdered me. Oh, well. Um, and, uh, another game that, like, scratches that itch pretty well is actually, once again, I know I've talked about this, and if you like Gundam, you should really go play this game. Damon X Machina has that kind of collectible feel. And they made a figure for the special edition of that game. I'm not sure if there's, like... I, I think that there is a Figma coming out. I'm not sure when. I, like, saw whispers of it on the Damon X Machina Reddit forums. 
but it, it like anime as a whole, but especially giant robot anime shares this lineage with like trying to sell you toys. Transformers is the same kind of thing. We all it, anybody who was young in the 90s and a little kid remembers the Transformer commercial. I mean, you probably had like one or two, not anything crazy, but like you had to read the instructions a couple times before you transformed it correctly. I had like beast like beast word transformers. I had think a couple Autobots. Um, but the point remains, I, it, those were toys that the cartoon for was basically a commercial. And the reason why I'm bringing this all up front is because that is what Zoids is. Zoids is a commercial for a model kit you can buy. I have I built exactly one Zoid, and here's what's interesting to me actually is that it totally functions as a commercial. They like constantly introduce new Zoids you can buy, new versions of the same Zoid you can buy. Um, if you look at it carefully, if you look at it not even very carefully, if you just like use your eyeballs and connect them to the right part of your brain, you'll see that Zoid's New Century which is my favorite, like, Zoid series of the two and a half I've seen, um, is the... It introduces, like, every couple weeks, it introduces you to a new version of a Zoid, to a new Zoid, to, a, like, a new armor for a Zoid, to, like, new attachments. It, like, all introduces... It introduces you to all that stuff. Now, what I didn't know until I saw a video that, like, reignited my, like, love for Zoids, and specifically the theme song, the opening song for, um, Zoids New Century Zero, No Future, which is amazing, you've heard it, you've heard it at the beginning here, is that those toys at one point were motorized, so, like, you built, you, they came with, like, a motorized, like, skeleton, you built around it, and then they would, like, move and, like, operate and shit. And they probably had, like, little buttons you could push to, like, make missiles fire out and junk. And, like, that is the coolest. <laughs> because, like, now not only are you building this robot, but because all the, ro all the Zoids are based off of animals, they're mostly quadrupeds, and, like, you can do that with motors. Real, way easier than you can do a human body with motors. Like, then they're moving around your house. And they're not just these, like, idols that you build and stick on a shelf like a Gundam. Um, not that there's anything wrong with, like, building a really cool fucking Gundam. I've built, uh, two okay Gundams and one that annoyed the shit out of me. Um, high Fumia in the corner. Um, but, <laughs> the... The cartoons, were, it wasn't necessary for you to understand that the Zoids, the Zoids were figures. Even though, like, you got that through osmosis, they, in especially in Zoids' new century, Zoids' chaotic century, we'll get to in a little bit, but in Zoids' new century, they basically were like, what if sports anime with giant robotic 
lions. What fight giant robotic elephants with a trunk that is also a laser sword? And, like, me as, like, a punk kid in, like, elementary school, middle school, just like, yes! Yes! And I, I, it doesn't get... I know a lot of it, for me, is nostalgia, but I suspect if you watch Joy's New Century Zero now, which I think it has a Blu-ray or HD DVD release, but it, you can find it on YouTube. It just looks just awful because it's from, like, the early 2000s, which means it's letterboxed, but also in, like, 720p, and it is not made for any of the video equipment we have now. So it all looks super low-res and blocky and terrible. Um, but the other, notice, the other notable thing about the Zoids franchise is Zoids... Uh, like, Zoids and kind of Blue Sub 6 have the right approach to CG and anime. And what I mean by that, what I mean by the right approach to CG and anime, is Blue Sub 6 uses CG to accomplish, like, the hardness of, like, the military gear in that show. It's, like, that, the, like, the weird-ass military tech in Blue Sub 6, which, if you're interested in hearing about that show, there's a link, there's a, um episode in the, um, feed about it, but the, that, that uses CG to kind of, like, say, here's a submarine, here's this, here's some missile, missiles, here's some water effects, and it, it doesn't look good, <laughs> I wouldn't say, but it has the feel, it has a definite point of view. It it doesn't feel like they were doing like they're doing CGI to cut costs or to like save time. It feels like they're doing CGI because they looked at the property and they're like, "This would be interesting. This would be interesting and be like be a way to have this show be noticed." Like I said, it doesn't look good necessarily, but it has a look, which I think. It, like, helps the show have a voice. Zoids, however, does just, like, one of the more amazing jobs with CG in that they kind of cut CG by... They, they kind of, like, cut the... CG with, like, a heavy dose of, like, flat shading, a flat shader, um flat, bold shadows. So even though the Zoids themselves are computer-generated, and you can tell that, they feel like the world around them. They don't feel like... They don't feel like a bad PS2 game because they've had shaders applied to them that make them look like the rest of the environment. And that is... It, it just... In addition to making the Zoids look down to the inch, just like their like real world counterpart models, which is amazing, 
it also gives them this like slight this huge weight and when they do fight they can make like real contact and they can use all kinds of effects and it just works really well now what i mean by goy's new century is essentially sports anime with like a slight twist it's the story of this Zoe pilot named Bit Cloud, who was a junk dealer, is is notably a massive asshole when the show starts off and never really changes all the way through. Who like has a run in and then a team up with this team called the Blitz Team and competes in Zoid battles. And Zoid battles are kind of like the ba- the Gundam fights from G Gundam, except it's like f- 4v4 or 4v... Like, it's up to 4 versus up to 4, if that makes any sense. And then, at the end of the... Towards the end of the show, they introduce like a main... In- Towards the middle of the show, they introduce like a shadow organization called the Backdraft Group, which is like all about like using Zoids for evil. And then towards the end of the show, towards like the middle third of the show, towards like the middle third of the show, the end of the middle third of the show rather, they introduce like the main villain, a kid named Vega who's like an ace Zoid pilot. And all the way through, they're, like, giving you this thing about, like, an organoid system and all this mysterious Zoid power bullshit. And, you know, as a kid, it doesn't take much for you to buy into something. And I, I rarely agree with, ed- with, like, editing and, like, airing out of order. But I understand why Cartoon Network was like, no, we want to order, we want to air this one first. And then we'll air this one second. Because Zoid's New Century Zero is much, has like this sports, has this feeling of like being like a sport and be, and this very tuned competitive. If you've ever seen IGPX, it uses the same kind of mold as IGPX to accomplish something in a slightly different lane. And so it's all team competitions until they get, and they get to the World Cup, and then they have those, they have, like, a World Cup competition that all culminates in, like, a huge battle against Vega and his, and his unique organoid Zoid called the Berserk Fury. And it's just, the combination of music and the timing, the timing of the music and the use of the Zoids because they're freed up to use them as 3D animation instead of hand animation really makes everything kind of sing together because it's never a... It doesn't have the problem of not having enough budget, to, uh, not having enough time to animate something because... Computer animation, even back then, is so much more flexible because it's not a person pouring sweat and blood weight into it. It's a person being like, okay, I want the Zoid to move over here. Move it over here, but, like, 
slowly turn it so it feels natural. Or I want the Zoid to spin out. So they animate the spin out. And then, and this is a specific scene. This is the, rebir the birth of wild e of the second generation of the Wild Eagle. The, so Jamie, who's a character on the show, is unconscious. He's flying a Zoid called the Reynos, which is a big fucking teal pterodactyl. It was 2001. We were basically still in the 90s. Don't hold it against me. <laughs> and he's falling, 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 falling. And then you hear the beginning riff of No Future. And all the other characters are like, pull up, pull up, pull up. And then No Future kicks in hard. And the Reynos, like this robot pterodactyl he's in just, like, screeches, and he wakes up and pulls up at the last second and just, like, murders a whole fleet of giant robot bats. <laughs> and the, the show knows when to make those, like, awesome, sweeping moments. It doesn't do them, like, over and over and over and over each other, so they have space to breathe and be their old cool, their own cool thing. Another badass thing is the first time Bit Cloud uses like his Lyo Liger Zero Panzer armor, which is this big green assault tank insane thing, and like the Liger shuts down. And he's like, "Oh fuck, it's overheated." And it, it previously in the previously in the episode you see the Liger always overheats. And he's like, Oh fuck, it's overheated. This sucks. I shouldn't have taken this risk. Come on, Liger. Believe in the heart of the cards. He's like he's like a believe in the heart of cards moment. And then and this is the best this is part of the reason why you watching this show you grow to love the opening scene, the like no future scene. Because it is the triumphant, like, it's the go-go Power Rangers of the Zoids chaotic, of the Zoids New Century Zero show. It's just like, every time there's going to be a badass thing that happens, you start to hear just in, like, just in the corner of the scene, just you hear, and then all of a sudden, the Lagazio's entire cockpit just, like, sprouts screens everywhere. And you see all of this, like, enemies highlighted. And then, like, an uh, eyepiece comes out. And Biff's like, all right, let's do this. And then he screams Burning Big Bang and just launches hot fire at, like, every single freaking enemy on the battlefield. And just like and I know I'm fangirling out right now, but it feels awesome. It feels like not like nineties, early two thousands level awesome to like watch this show and just like feel awesome along with these scenes. And there's tons of scenes like that in this show. Now, what I want to do is I want to, like, switch gears here. I want to talk about, because for the rest of the show, I, want, I really want to talk about Chaotic Sentry. Because Chaotic Sentry is a different thing, and it 
has it has some of the same elements, but with different, but with a whole different trapping. So Chaotic Century is the canonical first Zoid series, and what Chaotic Century does is it pitches a much more traditional giant robot show pitch. You're living in the the characters Van and later Van, Fiona, um, Moonbay, and um, I want to say Irvine are these characters who are all living in this like wartime kind of ancient Native American Western jumble of things and. A, what's amazing is, like, Moonbay is supposed to be Native American, and there's nothing super offensive about it. <laughs> like, uh, uh, congratulations. Um, <laughs> I guess, Japan. Um, try not to fuck it up. Oh, wait, you did. Um, but, so, they have this, like, multicultural cast. They have this, um... But then you get into, but basically, so then you get into the plot, and the plot starts with F Van finds Fiona in a ruin once he encounters this sleeper Zoid. And in Zoid's New Century Zero, Zoids just kind of are, and they're bought and sold. But at one point, like, a character straight up meets a Zoid in the canyon and was like, we're partnered now, like the giant fucking robot Pokemon. And you're like, Wait, what? That's fine, let's go. Um, but Zoids Chaos essentially basically explains that, like, Zoids are biomechanical animals, basically. And humanity tames them like we tame horses. Only humanity also straps guns to the sides of these giant robot horses and, like, fights with them. So... It gives the, it gives the show a whole. It gives the show and the property this whole different feel. It it makes you think back to when you saw, uh, Zoid New Century Zero, and you see the Liger Zero, without any armor on, and he just like, and it just like roars and bends his back like a lion, and you're like, oh shit, it is a lion. It's a giant robot lion. That's cool as shit. Um. But what Zoe's Chaos Entry also does is it does something that most giant robot anime about war don't do. Is it talks about the lead up to a war. And I saw a YouTube video that illustrates this more. But basically it's not it's not interested in the fight the robots are necessarily going to have. Because it doesn't want to do the, like, um, Itano Circus bullshit. It more wants to do close, personal, meaningful fights. So you attach yourself to the pilots and then to the toy that you can go out and buy. Um, and as a result, it feels so much more contemplative about war and about both sides in a war than you get at first blush with something like Gundam. And the reason I say that is because 
Gundam starts at, like, the top of the freaking, like, chart with, like, over-the-top, insane war rhetoric. And then it floats down to a human level as you watch the show. The Zoids is only interested in that human level, and it makes the villain go up to, like, the top of the rhetoric, and everybody around the villain starts to understand, oh, this is fucked. We don't want to bring back Mecha Godzilla, but worse. That seems awful. Let's not, please. Um, which is the, like, end goal of basically every character in that friggin' in Zoid's Chaotic Century. But what Zoid's Chaotic Century manages to do, while it's not, while the, like, it, what, it, why it feels so different from New Century Zero, it manages to give human emotion to not the Zoids, and this this is so this is the this is the trade off you get here. Zoids Chaotic Century has much more of a focus on the Zoids, and the Zoids have these personalities. Like the Shadow Fox has this very specific personality and it has this really trademark howl that it like like Argh! Um but the and the Liger Zero has this has a personality like a, like it's a pet basically. Even Zoids are less expressive, like the gun snipe, like Lena's gun sniper, have this like abundance of like huh huh like the dumbass Velociraptor. Um, but the Zoids in Chaotic Century lack a personality. Probably because their pilots are given most of the room to be the personality of the show. In Zoids, in Zoids New Century Zero, Bit and Liger have, like, a constant fucking argument about shit all the time. Like, Bit's like, no, what the fuck are you doing? And then he's like, I'm... I'm I'm just a dude in a hole, in like a box inside of a robot lion right now. It's doing what it wants. It's fine. It'll be fine. And while there is some of that in Chaotic Century, it's not as pronounced. And it doesn't need to be as pronounced. Because Chaotic Century, if it had to hold the weight of this like prelude to war storyline that it has going throughout the entire thing, plus like, this like all the personalities of all these different Zoids, it would kind of probably crush itself under its own weight, if that makes any sense. And the reason I say that is because like, like I love New, New Century to death, don't get me wrong. But Bitcloud is a shonen action asshole hero. You know, Lena, Lena Toros is a Sundere who, like, wants to bang Bit in, like, the worst way possible, but she doesn't want him to know. Um, Naomi is, like, the fem- Naomi, who's a, um, 
rival Zoid pilot is like the femme fatale, the like end all femme fatales. Um, Jack Sisko is very specifically like a rival character in a really like specific shonen anime mold. <laughs> like he's he he sounds like this, and he goes fast. He he Jack Sisko. And so, like, the characters they introduced there, it, the, all the characters in New Century Zero are basically archetypes. They're, they're, not, they're not there for you to get super invested in them because the, like, surrounding trappings of the show want you to, like, be, like, cool. So what, what I'm trying to say is they are not th the comparisons to um IGPX in Zoids New Century Zero don't extend to the fleshing out of the character. The the characters are left largely unfleshed out. Like the way they flesh out Jamie is that like he comes into his own by losing consciousness and like gaining an alternate personality who is just the most chauvinistic asshole. Like, he calls women little lady and, like, is a fucking asshole pilot. But the thing about Zoid's new sense, about Zoid's chaos century, is it wants to invest you in a much more traditional giant robot anime. And so what it does is it gives its pilots a lot more personality, a lot more room to have personality than something like New Century Zero does, which is, what I'm really saying is, is that I like, I personally like New Century Zero a lot more. Um, that's a lot of nostalgia talking, I realize that. But New Century Zero is much more of a toy commercial. It's much more of like, Feel empathy for this thing so you can go out and buy it in a store. And Chaotic Century is much more of a... This was somebody's first crack at this and they fucking threw everything at it they had. And like made a, a show that is like a better show. But it feels odder because it's not... It's, it feels like it's not all, it's not all about the, like, cool robots. It's not only the cool robots, but the people who pilot them. So, like, for example, Azoi's New Century Zero, like, setup just has the Zoids in, like, your ideal setup. But, like, Azoi's chaotic, like, the Liger Zero just comes as itself. It, like, doesn't come with, like, anything else. But, like, in the case of Chaotic Century, the Blue Blade Liger comes very specifically with, like, the Blade Liger you can build, and then a little Van and Fiona and, like, uh, extra, like, Zeke you can build to, like, put on the shelf next to it, because that's the whole package there, and the Zoid's New Century Zero whole package is just the robot, if that makes any sense. 
And th- and that's why I've opened up the show talking about like why anime is the way it is and why why animation I- exists on a commercial level because at the end of the day, Zoids as much as I love both series is about selling you a model kit, a cool model kit, but a model kit. And while I think that both of these things probably accomplish that, I think they're also kind of stand on their own two feet as these amazing, just giant robot shows. It, so, and a problem I have with Gundam Build Fighter, the show, is it's removed the artifice. Characters go into a store and buy a box and build a fucking Gundam. It's not... And in that moment, the Gundam, it's as a, like, machine, stops feeling special. It stops feeling unique. It starts feeling like just... Like, I think, like, hey, he, he saved up his allowance. He got himself a gun. Oh, I got one yesterday. It doesn't feel like the Gundam's in, like, what's a good example of this? The Gundam in, the Gundam's in Double O feel fucking dangerous. So dangerous, in fact, that when the other pack of Gundam shows up and starts fucking their shit up, they're like, oh, fuck, this is what we've been doing to people? This is fucked up. That's fucked up. And then, but compare that to something like Double O, they feel like everybody can have a Gundam. Like, why are we doing this? But in both Chaos Century and New Century Zero, um, the Zoids feel unique and interesting and expensive as all hell. It's especially like in New Century Zero, the, like there's this whole side plot of Tauros, the Blitz, the owner of the Blitz team, just being fucking. Dead ass broke. Also, a model kit otaku, which is hilarious, because he has all the model kits of all the fucking Zoids that exist, and any new one he finds, he's like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a build that myself. Um, but, and, and also in new in Chaotic Century, the Zoids feel special and unique. And, like, someone's Zoid is their specific Zoid. They don't go... like It's not like everybody has a Blade Lager. No. Dan has the Blade Lager. Um, there's a character who has a stupid-ass Scorpion Zoid called the Death Stinger. That character Zoid is the Death Stinger. The, the only character... And when a character hops from Zoid to Zoid to Zoid to Zoid, it's seen as, like, sacrilege. And in both shows, in New Century Zero and in Chaotic Century, the, like, ultimate bad guy, who's um, a little kid in Ultimate Century named Vega, and a a little kid in um, Chaotic Century, I forget its name, but it's, like, along the same lines. 
they both basically like use any Zoid that's around. They're like, okay, that one, murder time. And like, they're seen as like ruthless, more than a little crazy assholes. Because they aren't using the thing that like they came up using. And I, I just, I, it has a lot to say about. Zoids as a property has a lot, at least these two shows, the first two shows, have a lot to say about the giant anime genre and what it's capable of and what it looks like at its best. And I think that's really interesting because typically when you think about like what giant robot anime looks at its best, at, at its best you think about something like Gundam. But like I said... Gundam has gotten to the point where, like, it's an everybody deserves a trophy, everybody special kind of thing, instead of where Zoids kind of always is, which is like, no, these are cool-ass collectible toys, and that's why we're going to give each character their own one. Instead of, like, characters are like, oh, I and I haven't seen the newest Zoids show, although I've heard they've gone a little weird. It's, it's probably closer to, like, the Gundam build fighter scenario now of, like, collect the parts and put them together and what do you got? Mediocrity. But, oh, God. Um, it starts from a place of, like, you have a hero character who has a hero character robot. And that, that, that feels good. It always feels good. But that said, I hope you liked this episode. If you did, you can subscribe in your podcast app of choice. You can leave a review in a podcast app of choice. If someone would leave a review in iTunes, I would actually love that. Um, but until next time, I've been Alex. This is the one about the video. I'll talk to you later.